Good morning and good evening. Welcome to the C-Limited fourth quarter and full year 2022 results conference call. All participants will be in listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please signal a conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. Please note... ...to C's 2022 fourth quarter and full year earnings conference call. I'm Min Song from C's Group Chief Corporate Officer's Office. Before we continue, I would like to remind you that we may make, look, uh, make forward-looking statements which are inherently subject to risks and uncertainties and may not be realized in the future for various reasons as stated in our press release. Also, this call includes the discussion of certain non-GAAP financial measures such as adjusted EBITDA. We believe these measures can enhance our investors' understanding of the actual cash flows of our major businesses when used as a complement to our GAAP disclosures. For a discussion of the use of non-GAAP financial measures and reconciliation, Group Chief Financial Officer Tony Ho and Group Chief Corporate Officer Yan Wang. Our management will share strategy and business updates, operating highlights, and financial performance for the fourth quarter and full year of 2022. This will be followed by a Q&A session in which we welcome any questions you have. With that, let me turn the call over to Forrest. Hello everyone and thank you for joining today's call. 2022 was another year of evolution for us. Even the micro uncertainties, we pivoted decisively late last year to focus on efficiency and profitability. As a result, we began to see meaningful improvements in the bottom line. For the fourth quarter, our net income and the total adjusted EBITDA both turned positive. Moreover, we generated $320 million of cash from operations in the quarter. It has not been an easy journey. We could make this significant shift within such a short period of time team has demonstrated. We took the hard path, but we believe this is the right path to achieve long-term success. As we continue this transition and manage sustainable growth going forward, we have adopted the approach of doing less but doing it better. First, we sharpen our focus on areas with the greatest potential across our businesses. We exited or downsized operations in non-core markets, streamline our game pipeline with development and project closures, and deprioritize non-core initiatives and the financial resources on doing the core things better. Meanwhile, we focused on doing better for our users across our digital ecosystem. At Shopee, we continue to optimize customer services, seller management, and the logistics. At Garena, we worked to improve the accessibility and the content quality of our core games. We have also been leveraging C-Money's strong synergies with the rest of our ecosystem to better serve the under-addressed financial needs in our market. I will elaborate more in detail during the segment discussion. Given the micro-uncertainty and our recent strong pivot, we continue to closely monitor the market in our results and performance. However, we remain highly confident in the long-term growth potential of our market and highly focused on capturing this opportunity. More importantly, our determination and ability to execute towards profitability 
enable us to start 2023 on a much stronger footing. Let's now discuss each business segment in the fourth quarter of 2022. The improvements we achieved in core marketplace revenue and operating costs were key factors driving fourth quarter profitability. In the fourth quarter, gas revenue was $2.1 billion, up 32% based on fees, and advertising revenue increased as we deepened monetization and saw greater investment by sellers on our platform to serve buyers better. Full-year performance generally mirrored the trends of the fourth quarter, with gas revenue growing 42% from 2021. In terms of operating costs, we made improvements across each of the major expenses in the fourth quarter. Gas sales and marketing expenses improved by 34% quarter-on-quarter and 55% year-on-year, driven by more targeted investments across shipping incentives and brand marketing. There were also sequential improvements in R&D and GSA expenses. Now looking at each region, in our Asia market, we recorded a positive adjusted EBITDA of $320 million in the fourth quarter. This represents a significant improvement from the previous quarter, which had an adjusted EBITDA loss of $217 million. In our other market, the adjusted EBITDA loss also decreased by more than 50 economics. Our contribution margin loss per order decreased by 54% from the previous quarter to 47 cents. During 2022, we have been able to drive meaningful improvements in logistics costs to our ecosystem. This will remain an important area of focus going forward. We believe that lowering the cost to serve will be key to our long-term growth by unlocking large underserved user segments across our market. While we have already seen early results from these efforts, there is still greater room for improvement. In addition to cost management, we remain highly focused on improving user experience. For example, we have been systematically reviewing and optimizing our process management for customer services. We focus not only on setting key metrics and the targets for general user experience, but also on more proactive management of tail cases. On logistics, we have been working to provide a more efficient and reliable experience to our users. This includes reducing wait time, minimizing delivery losses, and providing a more seamless in-app experience to both sellers and buyers in managing logistics. The macro environment remains uncertain, and there are still headwinds on consumption in our market. With our recent pivot, we are showing a positive bottom line for the first time. As such, our focus this year will be to continue to solidify the efficiency gains and optimize the cost structure across our market. In our Asian market, we will work to further strengthen our leading position and profitability. In Brazil, 
we will focus on driving the business towards profitability to capture the significant opportunity in this new market. GMV will largely remain an output for us in the near term. It is important to re-emphasize our long-term focus on sustainable growth for Shopee. In our view, e-commerce penetration in our market remains low as compared to its full potential relative to offline retail. Our market also enjoys highly favorable demographical trends in terms of their large and growing digital population. This is further supported by long-term economic growth potential across our market. The key question presented to us at this stage is how much of these underserved needs for online consumption we can sustainably address. This determines the size of the profitable time we will be able to capture. We believe a large part of the answer lies in our ability to continue to improve the cost structure of our ecosystem through creativity, technology, operational excellence, and most importantly, an unwavering commitment to serve our users. We believe everything we are doing now is to best position us to achieve sustainable growth, profitability, and the defensibility of our ecosystem in the long run. Now, let's turn to digital entertainment. In 2022, online games as a market was broadly impacted by ongoing moderation in user engagement and monetization. Our games experienced a similar trend. During the fourth quarter, Gorilla's gap revenue was $949 million and the bookings were $544 million. Quarterly active users reached $486 million with 44 million quarterly paying users. The paying user ratio and average revenue per user remained relatively stable quarter on quarter. For the full year of 2022, gap revenue was $3.9 billion with bookings at $2.8 billion. Despite ongoing moderation, we remain highly focused on sustaining our current core gains. We prioritize user engagement by offering better and more enjoyable experiences in our games. We have targeted initiatives for existing and returning users. We have also been streamlining game content to improve accessibility and gameplay for all users across diverse markets. In managing cost efficiency, we have comprehensively reviewed our publishing and self-development pipeline in line with our principle of doing less but doing it better. As a result, we have divested and closed certain projects and remained selective about high potential projects to better direct our resources. This year, we will focus on solidifying our strengths in core games and communities while continuing to position ourselves to pursue long-term growth opportunities as they arise. Lastly, on our digital financial services business, Simonis gap revenue was $318 million in the fourth quarter of 2022, up 92% year-on-year. 
Adjusted EBITDA also turned positive for the fourth time at $76 million for the fourth quarter. The improvement in profitability was driven by both strong top-line growth and optimization of sales and marketing spends. For the full year of 2022, gap revenue was $1.2 billion, growing 160% year-on-year, and adjusted EBITDA loss was $229 million. As of the end of the fourth quarter, the total loans receivable on our balance sheet was $2.1 billion, net of allowance for credit losses of $239 million. Our C-Money business is a highly synergistic part of our digital ecosystem. For example, our mobile wallet has resulted in lower transaction costs and a more seamless transaction experience on Shopee. Shopee, in turn, has allowed the mobile wallet to grow its user base and build user habits more efficiently. With Shopee, our credit business is able to leverage a large captive user base, a highly relevant use case with significant scale, and a wealth of user insights for more effective underwriting. At the same time, Shopee benefits as consumers enjoy more flexible payment options, access to credit, and a greater affordability. We expect our digital insurance, wealth management, and the best businesses to enjoy similar synergies with our e-commerce platform to serve the large, underserved communities in our market. We see C-Money as an important long-term growth engine for us. We will continue to prioritize the ecosystem strategy in pursuing this significant opportunity with efficiency and profitability. To conclude, our performance in the fourth quarter was an important demonstration of our ability to focus on profitability and deliver meaningful results. This is a testament to the strength and the resilience of our underlying business model and the execution capability of our team. Although we expect micro-uncertainty to continue to cloud the horizon in the near term, the long-term potential of our businesses and the market remains vast. We plan to capture these opportunities while delivering strong and sustained shareholder returns over time. With that, I will invite Tony to discuss our financials. Thank you, Boris, and uh, thanks to everyone for joining the call. We have included detailed financial schedules together with the corresponding national analysis in today's press release. And Forrest has discussed some of our financial highlights. So I will focus my comments on the other relevant metrics. For C overall, total gap revenue increased 7% year on year to $3.5 billion in the fourth quarter, and 25% year on year to $12.4 billion for the full year of 2022. This was primarily driven by the improved monetization in our e-commerce and digital financial services businesses, partially offset by lower gap revenue in our digital entertainment business. On e-commerce, 
Our fourth quarter gap revenue of $2.1 billion included gap marketplace revenue of $1.8 billion, up 43% year-on-year, and gap product revenue of $0.3 billion. For the full year of 2022, gap revenue of $7.3 billion included gap marketplace revenue of $6.2 billion, up 52% year-on-year and get product revenue of $1.1 billion. E-commerce adjusted EBITDA turned positive for the first time in the fourth quarter at $196 million. The improvements were mainly from more targeted investments in our sales and marketing spending, deepened monetization, and other optimization of cost structure. Adjusted EBITDA for the fourth quarter was also positively impacted by approximately $80 million of accruals reversal, resulting from changes in previous estimations of certain expenses as we made the management decision to strongly pivot to a clear focus on cost efficiency. 2022 full-year adjusted EBITDA loss improved by 34% year-on-year to $1.7 billion. Digital entertainment bookings were $544 million in the fourth quarter and $2.8 billion for the full year of 2022. Gap revenue was $949 million in the fourth quarter and $3.9 billion for the full year of 2022. Digital entertainment adjusted EBITDA was $258 million in the fourth quarter and $1.3 billion for the full year of 2022. In the fourth quarter of 2022, we also recognized an impairment of goodwill charge of $178 million, pertaining to certain historical investments for the digital entertainment business. Impairment of goodwill are excluded from segment adjusted EBITDA calculation as it is not reflective of the underlying trend in our current quarter operating performance. Digital financial services gap revenue was up by 92% year on year to $380 million in the fourth quarter and up by 116% year on year to $1.2 billion for the full year of 2022. This was mainly driven by the growth in our credit businesses. Adjusted EBITDA turned positive for the first time at $76 million in the fourth quarter, and adjusted EBITDA loss was $229 million for the full year of 2022. Improvement in the bottom line was driven by both strong top-line growth and optimization of sales and marketing spend. As of end of the fourth quarter, total loans receivable was $2.1 billion, net off allowance for credit losses of $239 million. Non-performing loans passed due by more than 90 days as a percentage of our total gross loans receivable declined from less than 4% in the third quarter to less than 2%, mainly due to the shortening of loan write-off period in a certain market from 180 days to 120 days in the fourth quarter, based on our assessment of historical credit losses 
Without this change in write-off period, the ratio would be around 5%. Returning to our consolidated numbers, we recognize a net non-operating income of $35 million in the fourth quarter of 2022, compared to a net non-operating loss of $71 million in the fourth quarter of 2021. Our non-operating income for the fourth quarter was primarily due to our $200 million net gain from 2022 convertible bond repurchase, partially offset by investment losses recognized amidst lower valuations in the broader market. For the full year, our net non-operating loss was $13 million compared to loss of $132 million for the full year of 2021. We had a net income tax credit of $43 million in the fourth quarter of 2022, compared to net income tax expense of $106 million in the fourth quarter of 2021. The income tax credit was primarily due to recognition of deferred tax assets from certain tax losses carried forward from our e-commerce business, partially offset by income tax incurred by our digital entertainment business. We recognize the deferred tax assets as we assess that it is more likely than not that our future taxable income will be sufficient to allow the deferred tax asset to be utilized. For the full year, our net income tax expense was $168 million compared to $333 million for the full year of 2021. As a result, Net income was $423 million in the fourth quarter of 2022, as compared to net loss of $616 million in the fourth quarter of 2021. This included negative impact of $178 million in impairment of goodwill related to certain historical investments for the digital entertainment business and a positive impact of $200 million net gain on debt extinguishment, as well as positive impact of approximately $130 million in accruals reversal. For the full year, net loss was $1.7 billion. With that, let me turn the call to Mingju. Thank you, Forrest and Tony. We are now ready to open the call for questions. As usual, our Group Chief Corporate Officer, Yanjun Wang, will lead this talk. Operator? Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your touchtone phone. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. In the interest of time, we will take a maximum of two questions at a time from each caller. If you wish to ask more questions, please request to join the question queue again after your first question has been addressed. At this time, we'll pause momentarily to assemble our roster. Our first question comes from Pang Vit from Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity and congratulations management team on very strong quarter and solid turnaround. 
Two questions from me, please, on Shopee. Number one, can you please explain to us on the major drivers that led to this really fast turnaround in Shopee earnings this quarter? How did you manage to achieve this? Is it by way of the take rate increase and fixed cost cutting, or is there a deliberate attempt to cut off unprofitable GMV in order to achieve this? That's question number one. Question number two, going forward, as you have already achieved solid turnaround in bottom line, how do you plan to balance between growth and profitability? How do we build confidence that growth will come back? And how do you view the current competitive landscape, especially threat from new social commerce players? Will you make sure that you maintain your market share? And is there any color or soft guidance that you can provide us when it comes to growth? Thank you, Pan. Uh, in terms of the drivers for our quick turnaround uh, uh, for Shopee, uh, I think as we shared in the earnings and uh, Forrest message uh, earlier on, that uh, it's on all fronts. Uh, in terms of top line, uh, we managed to increase our take rate um, and uh, deeper monetization across various uh, types of revenue, including the core marketplace revenue, which are relatively high margin, uh, as well as other types of revenue. And as our sellers invest more in the platform uh, to grow with us. And also on the cost front and expense front, uh, we reduced sales marketing spend. Uh, if you noticed, our sales marketing for Shopee dropped more than 50% year on year, while our GMV uh, sustained and grew around 7% on a constant currency basis year on year. Uh, so that shows the resilience of our ecosystem and, and the strong leadership and execution excellence of our team uh, in managing this fast transition over a few months' time uh, to turn the uh, platform into a positive uh, bottom line while still sustaining a strong uh, leadership of the platform. And at the same time, we also enjoyed uh, savings in our R&D and GNA expenses uh, quarter on quarter. Uh, so on all fronts, we've been uh, improving uh, and uh, it also is well aligned with our uh, previous um, target to turn uh, quickly and decisively as we see macro uncertainties in our markets. And that has always been our ability to execute on what we deliver, uh, what we promise to the market and to our own teams. Uh, as we shared, it has not been an easy quarter. There's a lot of hard work and we made sacrifices. Uh, we exit markets, we downsize operations. Uh, we walk through all these initiatives to decide which is core, which is less core, what we need to prioritize and what we need to deprioritize. There's a lot of work condensed in a few months time with a tremendous effort by the entire C team. And therefore, we managed to achieve this. And I think this also gives us much better confidence to navigate whatever challenges that might come our way in the future. Now, in terms of outlook and balancing growth and profitability. So as we shared also, our outlook for our market in the long run remains very strong because of its demographic features, the young growing population, deepened digital penetration, vis-a-vis -vis offline retail, and also the economic growth potential of our region. 
at the same time, we believe that all these efforts we're making in reducing the cost structure of our ecosystem and strengthening our ability to serve our users with better user experience will allow us to capture a larger share of the pie uh, in the long run and further strengthen our market leadership, which is a dual goal in addition to profitability we have for our Asian markets. So there is not a uh, shift in our view about the long-term growth potential and the focus of our business to capture this opportunity. In the near term, of course, we continue to see macro uncertainty, uh, headwinds to consumptions, so we will be adjusting and fine-tuning our pace and operations carefully in a highly dynamic manner, observe our markets uh, from period to period, and adjust accordingly. And therefore, we also share that we may expect fluctuations in our performance and results in the near term from period to period. But on the other hand, I think we have demonstrated clearly our ability to execute both growth and profitability. So in the long run, we are very focused on sustainable growth and further defending and solidifying our ecosystem. Now, in terms of a competitive landscape, our view is that uh, in the long run, investment in the ecosystem is important, but investment is not just solely in the, in the shape of financial investment, but more importantly, in terms of operational capabilities deep local operational capabilities. This is a still a heavy operational uh, system that we need to build for an online uh, retail marketplace. Therefore, there will always be com competitors or other entrants into the market with different angles, different positioning, different advantages, etc. But the beauty of e-commerce is that it requires a comprehensive set of skills, skills and capabilities that need to be built over a relatively long period of time, especially in our markets where infrastructure are still very underdeveloped, and especially in Southeast Asia where the markets are diverse and there are individual, many individual markets. Collectively, these are large opportunities, but you have to conquer them one by one, and every market has its own environment, its own setting, its own requirements. Therefore, we believe we're unique in the sense that we're able to achieve strong market leadership, market by market, across so many markets in Southeast Asia, and at the same time, quick turnaround on profitability, and that gives us confidence that we have more resources and capability not, not just financially, but also operationally and managerially to defend our ecosystem against any future competition. And we'll remain humble and remain vigilant on competition. Our next question comes from Alicia Yap from Citigroup. Please go ahead. 
Hi, um, thank you. Good evening, management. Uh, congrats on the strong results. Um, and also thanks for taking my questions. Um, I have two questions. First is I wanted to follow up on the previous questions regarding um, how should we balance between um, the growth versus the profitability. Is there any um, short-term margins target that management would hope to maintain uh, for each of your business segments? Um, for example, if there's any incremental margin improvement that you can achieve, then you would reinvest those incremental back to the business to drive faster growth um, because you already turned profitable on both, you know, for example, the Shopee and the DFS. So I'm just wondering, is there a short-term margin target that you wanted to maintain and then any incremental that you can reinvest back? to the business to drive faster growth. Um, second is on your digital finance services. Given you will be rolling out the DigiBank's initiative uh, soon, uh, will that affect your uh, EBITDA profitability trend for 2023? Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. Uh, in terms of uh, short-term margin targets, uh, so different business units are different. Of course, for Garena, uh, our focus now is continue to uh, stabilize our user base and providing better experience to our users on the core games. At the same time, uh, continue to improve our profit margin. Uh, I mean, at the more than 47% uh, even the margin, where we believe we are still uh, very high compared to the industry average and uh, we have shown ability to achieve very high margin for the business before and we'll continue to be very uh, watching our margin closely to, to, to improve our efficiency. Uh, in terms of uh, digital financial services, uh, I think we uh, still, it's very early stage. We just turned a profitable in the, for the first quarter and we'll continue to uh, expand the overall, uh, you know, the service service offerings to our users um, so that uh, we can reach a broader user base and offer more uh, diversified services. And, uh, and But the focus on that business is more on the quality and long-term sustainability and trust building with our users. It's not to us uh, uh, at this stage a speed-driven business. We believe building a solid foundation, leveraging the ecosystem advantages it has uh, being part of a C uh, ecosystem with the strong synergies with Shopee in particular is the most important thing at this stage. Uh, and for Shopee, it's going to be a market by market dynamic assessment. All Asian markets are currently EBITDA positive. Um, now, Brazil market, which is relatively new, uh, we've seen significant profitability improvement uh, while we continue to see growth. Uh, uh, relatively stronger growth there compared to uh, our Asia market. Uh, so I think it's going to be a highly dynamic process. For each market at any period of time, we'll assess the market condition, uh, the, the natural user growth rate, uh, the competitive landscape, uh, at our operational uh, cost structure uh, in that market, and then we'll assess what would be a reasonable profit margin we could achieve in the market versus the growth we want to achieve in the market. As I said before, uh, it's, it's not a necessarily a trade-off 
uh, if a business is uh, growth is driven only by investment in sales marketing, it's not a, business, a good business we want to be in to begin with. And the fact that we're able to cut sales marketing by more than 50% while sustaining GMV already itself is a strong testament of the, our ecosystem capability. So it, it doesn't necessarily go against each other. We don't necessarily think that growth and profitability need to be a trade-off. We do think that while we some, um, some of our measures that we're focused on, such as cost structure improvement, logistics improvement, seller management, better consumer services, and better buyer experience, all will improve the efficiency of any investment we make into our ecosystem and also improve the profitability as well as growth. Uh, so a lot of it depends on a, the natural uh, growth, the macro environment, competitive landscape, um, and our operational stage and, and views at any period of time in a market-by-market -market assessment. We don't have a single number for Shopee as a whole, uh, but it's going to be a lot of uh, bottom-up and, and, and uh, dynamic assessments and uh, fine-tuned operations. Uh, so that's the, the trick of the business, but also uh, I think our relative strength in operating a highly uh, uh, diversified market and uh, with different development uh, strategies. Uh, I think overall, we, you know, in the long run, of course, we believe in sustainable growth, which also means profitable growth uh, for the business. And we still see this as uh, our strong growth engine. Our next question comes from Payush Chaudhary from HSBC. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi. Thanks for the opportunity, and congratulations to the management on strong set of results. Two questions. Firstly, on Shopee, um, can you discuss uh, GMV growth trends? Uh, you know, quarter on quarter in local currency. Um, you know, which markets are doing better, and and any color on the outlook for 23. Um, you know, how is customer behavior shaping with Shopee reducing promotions and shipping subsidy? I, I observe that your AOV has increased by around 22% in local currency terms. So, so what is driving that? Secondly, um, can you give some um, insights on your capex for 2023? Um, you know, which segments would you be investing, and uh, what kind of um, investments we should expect uh, in, in 2023 to strengthen your uh, ecosystem? Thank you. Thank you, Piyush. Um, in terms of uh GME growth trends, uh, as uh, we previously shared, um, that GME remains uh, output for us. Uh, it's not uh, a, a key KPI as we continue to focus on uh, tightening our efficiency and profitability as well as user experience. Uh, we think it would ne generally naturally come down the road. Um, and uh, in terms of the different markets, uh, generally speaking, uh, our Asian market performed uh, within our expectation, and Q4 remained a relatively strong market uh, in terms of the, uh, the the demand by our buyers uh, and consumption patterns. Um, however, we are aware of uh, weakness, continued weakness in online physical consumptions uh, by users uh, across various markets, um, and uh, in particular some of the. Uh, markets like Malaysia, uh, as uh, we previously also shared before, uh, remain relatively, um, in terms of year-on-year -year comparison, uh, probably particularly relatively slow. Um, 
and but of course, previously during COVID, and some of these markets also happened to enjoy the strongest and the most spectacular growth um, during the COVID. So this remains tough comparison. Uh, I think uh, starting from uh, 2023, uh, we'll generally see uh, some. We'll, we'll see some natural growth. We hopefully, uh, but on the other hand, this is not something that uh, we focus on, and uh, the macro uncertainty remains. And uh, there are too many factors affecting uh, the underlying consumption pattern that, uh, as a market leader, that we will face. Uh, and therefore, uh, it's not a target that we focus on. Um, so our message stays the same: GMB remains output. And uh, we will just continue any quarter-on-quarter disclosure of operating metrics like GMV and orders, and uh, we'll move to an annual disclosure uh, in line with uh, global peers. In terms of uh, KPAX for 2023, uh, most of the KPAX, uh, uh, in terms of the the, the biggest uh, uh, ticket items, are uh, servers, and uh, and then followed by. Uh, some of the uh, logistics-related uh, machineries, such as sorting machines, uh, and then uh, office and uh, data center leases, etc. Um, now, uh, as we pivot to a strong focus on efficiency, uh, we also have been significantly reducing and uh, tightening our capex investments. Um, so you still saw some capex spending in Q4 and may continue to see uh, in Q1 early this year. Uh, but going forward, we expect, uh, a, at least in the immediate future, uh, KPAC spending shouldn't be a significant part of our overall expenses. Uh, the, the reason that we might still have uh, some higher number in Q4 and Q1 uh, is because the earlier commitments, as we shared uh, in the previous quarter's uh, earnings, uh, some of the earlier commitments uh, might uh, uh, arrive uh, at a, a Q4 or Q1 timetable, and that is not entirely within our control, and uh, and that might affect our financials. Uh, so it's a timing factor. The next question comes from Thomas Chong from Jefferies. Please go ahead. Hi, good evening. Uh, Bank management uh, for my questions. Uh, I have a question uh, on uh, Darina. Uh, can you comment about uh, the near-term uh, trend and the uh, full-year outlook uh, for the gaming business? Uh, just want to get some color about uh, whether we have any new games uh, that we should be anticipated uh, for this year. And uh, my second question uh, is about uh, the total headcounts. Uh, can management comment about um, the number of headcounts uh, in 2022 and how we should think about uh, 2023 uh, if we would uh, um, do the hiring? Uh, thank you. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, in terms of a uh, uh, game pipeline, um, now, uh, as you're uh, familiar with us, uh, we don't uh, discuss games that have not been uh, publicly launched. Um, and uh, our previously, uh, we mentioned uh, that uh, uh, we have some uh, games such as Andong uh, is being tested and uh, it might get released this year. Uh, and then also there are always games in the pipeline we are focused on. Uh, but also more importantly, uh, the, the key focus uh, in the near term still on the core games and in particular Free Fire uh, that we want to turn into a, a strong evergreen franchise. 
uh, although we continue to see some weakening uh, in user trends um, in comparison to uh, the significant growth achieved during the COVID time, uh, we do believe that there is a, a core defensible user base we can achieve, and it is a long-lasting franchise. Uh, so there are a lot of things the team are currently doing and focusing on uh, with the best talent and some of the, the, the top creative people we have uh, to deliver better user experience, more accessible game package, more efficient downloading, um, and also uh, in terms of the the content uh, that is uh, more suitable for our users and uh, more interesting to them, uh, even despite uh, their uh, many years of experience of playing this game. Uh, so we think that's still the, the focus uh, in the immediate future. At the same time, uh, we'll continue to form our uh, core competency across some of the core genres uh, that we have strong experience in and continue to observe any opportunities that might arise in the market and pick up new skills and new trends along the way. Uh, so while game is, uh, uh, from a uh, financial perspective, we saw some weak trends uh, immediately. Uh, we are, from an organizational perspective, as a whole team, we are very focused on game in the long run uh, because it is the closest to the younger generations. And we already have a very strong and big uh, platform. Free Fire, despite its uh, recent weakening, is still one of the largest uh, mobile games in the world. It was very large user base and highly active, spending a lot of time daily with us. And we can do a lot of things with them and engage them much better and also deliver new and more content to them down the road. So this is something that uh, we are very much focused on and uh, will not give up on. In terms of uh, headcount management, uh, we have some headcount uh, exercises, as we shared before. These are in relation uh, to the operational changes we made, uh, such as market exits, uh, project closures, uh, departizing of initiatives, etc. Uh, we didn't have any particular target uh, of a uh, X percentage uh, to, to cut for uh, a Y number of teams. Uh, that's not a how we do uh, headcount exercises. Um, so I think we also uh, believe that uh, uh, with the successful completion of the major um, changes that uh, we undertook in the past few months, uh, we believe under the current environment, uh, absent any major shifts uh, in our external uh, conditions, uh, that our uh, major changes are uh, completed, and we do not do not foresee uh, major changes, more major changes uh, in this year, uh, and and uh, and in the foreseeable future. Our next question comes from Zhang Xiao from Barclays. Please go ahead. Thank you very much for taking my questions. I have two as well. The first is about Brazil. Uh, will you be able to talk about the order growth year over year or quarter over quarter for Brazil? And also, you cut the pre-order loss pretty drastically, which is great from like two bucks a year ago to now, less than 50 cents. Could you talk about the drivers behind that? And do you have any 
expectation for break-even in Brazil. Uh, my second question is about take rate. Again, my calculation shows the take rate is now above 10%, and you have made a progress in take rate every single quarter over the last few years. Um, I was wondering, do you have a target like for continuity improvement for take rate this year? Thank you very much. Thank you, John. Uh, in terms of the uh, Brazil market, uh, we managed to uh, make significant gain in uh, efficiency in our operations and also uh, partly as a result of our scaling uh, that uh, there's a efficiency gain from uh, naturally from the scale. Uh, the drivers behind uh, the fast reduction in order loss per order, uh, similar to our other Asian markets, uh, came from both top-line growth uh, as well as uh, cost improvements, uh, in particular logistics costs, uh, that we are very focused operationally on reducing uh, as for our users so that uh, we can serve uh, more under-addressed segments profitably and sustainably down the road. Um, this will be our focus in the near term. And uh, while we don't give any projection or guidance on break-even time, we also do uh, think uh, our market uh, in Brazil can also grow profitably uh, over the long run. Uh, will be another significant opportunity uh, that we should be able to capture. Um, and, uh, and another thing is, uh, as we shared before, uh, the reason we are very focused on cost structure, in particular logistics, is because we are trying to expand the profitable TAM uh, for the market as a whole by addressing sellers and buyers who are underserved or unaddressed by existing uh, players. And uh, having a better structure, having more target focus on the mass market, allow us to be a differentiated player uh, in the market, capturing a significant share of the pie, uh, in our view. Now, in terms of the take rate, uh, so uh, we do believe uh, the, there's still uh, room for expansion on the take rate. And just like a, a, our view about every market, uh, we'll do it in a measured, paced way um, and uh, with strong communications to our sellers. and. Uh, uh, as our platform grows, and as we uh, as sellers grow with us and invest more on our platform, uh, while at the same time growing their business, um, the overall take rate in the Brazil market, uh, as you probably know, uh, uh, obviously uh, materially higher uh, than uh, many other markets, um, and uh, there are of course uh, more services being provided uh, to the Brazilian sellers and buyers. Uh, uh, in view of some of the infrastructural differences uh, in the market. Um, therefore, uh, we believe this is a, a strong market and uh, we do uh, focus on growing the market. The next question comes from Varun Ahuja from Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi. Uh, thank you for the opportunity and congrats on turning profitable. I've got a few questions. First, on the gaming side, uh, if you look at your revenues right now, uh, adjusted for the bookings, it's just 6% above pre-pandemic level. And if you look at the user base, it's around 20%. So how should we think, like most of the benefits from the pandemic seems to be have waned out by the fourth quarter. Do you see more stabilization now on the gaming side, or uh, are you think there's still 
uh, more headwind uh, in front of that. Second, sticking to uh, gaming side, if you can give some uh, colors on the team strength on the R&D side, uh, how many people are there on R&D side split between new game development and versus uh, on Free Fire. Uh, and thirdly, again on the gaming, uh, any update on the right of first diffuser that you have with Tencent coming in this year. And lastly, on e-commerce, uh, if you give some color qualitative or some numbers on HQ cost quarter on quarter, because we have been historically giving some commentary on the HQ cost for the e-commerce, uh, while this quarter there isn't much commentary, so just want to see how this that cost has trended during this quarter. Thank you. Thank you, Varun. Uh, in terms of uh, gaming, I think it's still too early to tell. Uh, uh, the, the the trends uh, obviously COVID is a, a such a unprecedented event. Nobody had uh, any data on it, uh, and uh, uh, and also reopening together with uh, inflation uh, that had double headwinds on people's uh, discretionary consumption power. Also, is further compounding um, the effects that we are seeing, and therefore it's uh, premature for us to uh, project. Uh, uh, where the the game trend is going to land, um, but we have seen you know mobile games with long shelf life uh, have seen um, also uh, revivals, uh, and when they have the right content uh, released at the right time and well received by users, uh, so that can be achieved uh, of course with a, a lot of creativity and efforts, and that's what we are focused on. Uh, it, it, we won't be able to give guidance on the uh, any short term uh, short term trends at this point yet. Um, in terms of uh, uh, R and D and uh, relationship with Tencent, uh, our R and D while uh, at the same time uh, we have um, been focusing on uh, concentrating our resources and shared earlier uh, and uh, the divesting projects uh, and deprioritizing. Uh, non uh, less promising initiatives uh, at the same time we are uh, moving people uh, towards uh, more focus on the core project and more promising uh, ones uh, down the down the road uh, therefore there are shifts uh, in the staffing uh, but overall we maintain a very strong r and d team uh, in terms of uh, relationship with Tencent, uh, also uh, there has not been uh, any change uh, in the relationship uh, uh, on the HQ cost trends, uh, also trended downwards. Uh, it, uh, uh, in terms of the efficiency gain we, we had uh, in managing HQ costs, uh, so there's uh, uh, q on improvements on that as well. The next question comes from Ranjan Sharma from J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Hi, good evening, and thank you for the presentation. Uh, two questions from my side. Firstly. Um, on the on the cost side and adjusted EBITDA, uh, have there been any severance costs uh, accounted for in this period? And with the cost optimization initiatives that you have done, how should we think of R&D and G&E costs in 2023 versus 2022? Uh, secondly, on, on, on the fintech side, uh, the loan book is down from third quarter to fourth quarter. Uh, considering your comments around uh, macro headwinds and uh, which clouds outlook? How should we think of the loan book uh, growth going forward? Thank you. Thank you, Rajan. Um, now, in terms of severance, the uh, impact has not been very significant, uh, and I think uh, 
uh, is comparable to the previous quarter, and uh, we don't deem it to be material. Uh, so there was no separate disclosure. We don't think it will also uh, have any material impact on our 2023 financials. Um, in terms of uh, R&D and uh, GNA costs uh, in this year, uh, we continue to focus on uh, efficiency improvement and tightening, and, uh, uh, and 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 also make sure that uh, our costs are uh, efficient relative to the size of our platform and our businesses. In terms of the loan book growth, um, as we share, as I mentioned before, uh, for the credit business and uh, by extension, uh, money business as a whole. Uh, we don't uh, expect to be a uh, at, at least at this stage uh, that uh, uh, we're not going to invest significantly to drive rapid growth uh, and uh, land grabbing. Uh, we are more focused on the building a solid uh, business with strong underwriting and uh, a strong user base, serve them well, and also diversify our offerings and also diversify our funding sources over time uh, to uh, build a sustainable long-term, uh, a sustainable business with long-term uh, growth. So that's something that uh, given the current macro uncertainty uh, and the, the synergistic play with uh, Shopee, uh, we do not think that, you know, uh, growth is a KPI for our team in terms of the loan book. More, our KPI is more in terms of quality of the loan book and profitability of the business. This concludes our question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Minju Song for any closing remarks. Thank you, operator, and thank you all for joining today's call. Uh, we very much look forward to speaking to all of you again next quarter. Thank you. Conference is now concluded. Thank you for attending today's presentation. You may now disconnect.